Because at the end of the day, you're the one that has to live with the realities of your peace of mind, your happiness, your freedom, having time to enjoy your family. You're the one that has to live with that. So regardless of what expectations people are placing on your shoulders or the perceived obligation that you feel that you have to fulfill and meet, remember at the end of the day, when you lay your head down at night and when it's time to stroke those checks for the bills, that's all on you. Welcome to The Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's up, everybody? I hope that you are enjoying your Friday. And this podcast, I don't know if it'll be a very long one, but I do know that it'll be a very impactful one. Um, This is something that I've shared broadly on my various platforms in some shape, form, or capacity. But I think that this is a great follow-up to a podcast we did a couple episodes ago when what to do when your job is becoming your nine to five. Um, And part of that is maybe you don't have the right systems in place. Maybe you don't have the right infrastructure. Maybe it's not always about passion or you just having a new interest. And sometimes it's about you just need the right infrastructure in place to be able to create a model that allows your business to be more self-sufficient versus you just having to do so much of the work yourself, right? So there's this little model that I go by that I am currently putting all my businesses through this filter and it's called the dares model, right? And it completely transformed my perspective on how to approach business, especially like during a time like now when you're in a global pandemic and you have to have a a much more thoughtful strategy when it comes to how you make your money, right? And so the first part of the dares model, the D is, is it digital? So when you think about your business, Can I sell this product or service in a digital way, right? Whether that's a downloadable ebook, whether it's a course, whether it's, you know, a physical product that can be sold on an e-commerce website. Can people transact with me all over the world by buying or purchasing or interacting with my product in a digital way? Because if you can do that effectively, that means that you can reach a lot more people. Think about right now. If you got a brick and mortar store, not only can you not reach way more people, what if you have the business risk of I can't even open my doors to make money, right? And hopefully you have an e-commerce arm, but if you don't, you're really screwed. Unfortunately, I saw a lot of businesses through this season go under already. And it's so unfortunate because they made great products, they had great services, but due to the fact of how their infrastructure was set up, they didn't have a way to successfully pivot and still thrive during this season. So when you're either reevaluating your business or starting a new business, ask yourself, is my business digital? Can I do it online? Can I sell it online? Is it location independent? Because also, again, that will give you a level of freedom, right? If your business can be digital, I'm not rooted to this one particular area, location, or place because it can be done anywhere. The next question you want to ask yourself, is it 
automated, right? Now, automation is huge. And the reason why automation is huge is because what that, what that effectively means is in order for folks to move through the buying process, they don't have to interact with me or another human being. They're just interacting with technology, right? Now, imagine if for my e-commerce store, every time someone wanted to buy a shirt, they had to DM me. I had to confirm if a size was in. They had to cash at me, right? Like just imagine that process, how messy that would. Now people do start that way. And I'm a, I'm a big firm believer of doing what you can, starting where you are and using what you have, right? So in the beginning, get it how you live, sell it out the back of the trunk, do whatever you gotta do. But you want to get to a place where your business is as automated as possible. And there's levels to automation. And I'll get to that in a second. But one of the questions I ask myself every single day, really, but at minimum, at least weekly or monthly, is can this task that I'm doing be fully automated, right? Can this task be fully automated? If it cannot be fully automated, what can I do to make it more efficient? At least, right? Because sometimes things can't be completely automated, right? But if it can't, how can I make it more efficient? And so, there are layers and getting levels to automation, right? Because going back to the e-commerce example, you could have a store that is fully drop ship, right? Let's say you sell like a physical product. And what drop shipping means is someone can find my store, add the product to their cart, buy the product, get the product fulfilled and ship to them. And I don't have to touch a thing. There are certain business models that you, where you can do that. And then there's maybe the next level down where they can do all of that, but I still have to ship it out, which isn't bad, right? But imagine not having to touch anything. That means that you can stay where you're at all over the world because you know that you don't have to get back to the home or the warehouse or wherever else to fulfill those orders. Another, maybe a a happy medium for that is you grow your business to the point where you personally don't have to fulfill those orders, right? So it's like, okay, they still have to be shipped out by my company, but at least I know that I'm not the one doing the shipping, right? Now, The next part of the DARES model is, is it recurring, right? So any entrepreneur will tell you that the hardest thing to do is to find a new customer, right? Like everything else is easy. Well, I won't say it's easy, but finding a new customer arguably is the hardest part, right? Especially if you're like a high ticket offer or something, right? Because you have to find that a customer, you got to build your brand awareness, they have to trust you, and then they'll spend money with you, right? That's why you hear things about like, what is your customer acquisition cost, right? Because sometimes, you know, it takes a little money on the front end to acquire a customer. And so imagine if instead of having to start over every single month, wondering where all your money's coming in, you have a business model that is recurring, or at least there's a component of your business model that's recurring, meaning that you don't have to start from ground zero on the first of every month, right? You know that because you have a recurring layer of revenue that every month, even though you might get new sales, there's a baseline amount of money that's coming in. And then ideally, if you're adding new recurring customers every month, then that baseline continues to grow. And that's a phenomenal thing because then you don't have to play the guessing game, especially in the early stages of entrepreneurship, right? You could have a really, really good month. You could have a really, really, really slow month. But if you take the time to build out that recurring model, then that's always going to give you a base of income every month so that you at least know, well, if I know rain, sleet, or snow, at least I know this money's coming in. So build a business model that has recurring revenue.
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another segment of Fix Your Financial Friday, where each and every Friday we help you fix at least one thing as it pertains to your finances. So today, what I want you to do is I want you to stop ignoring the 800 numbers. I want you to call up your creditors. Take control, right? It's not a boogeyman on the other side of the phone, just somebody who you owe a little bit of money to. Say, hey, look, I ain't got it right now. I plan to get it. You know what I'm saying? Just get off my back for a little bit. No, that's, don't say that. But just let them know, like articulate where you are, you know, that you're trying to make progress in the situation, that you are aware you're not ignoring them. Because oftentimes they just want to know that like somebody is actually planning to rectify the situation. And it's going to give you a ton of peace of mind to just get that off your back so that you're not having to ignore them. Because when you don't answer the phone, they're going to keep calling until you pick up the phone. When you pick up the phone and say, hey, look, let's touch base in another 45 days. I'll let you know where we are. Most of these creditors are probably going to be a little bit lenient right now during the pandemic, understanding that people have a lot going on. So, yeah, pick up the phone, call your creditors, get right and get that monkey off your back so that you can stop feeling that pit in your stomach every time an 800 number comes across your phone. Something else that will be extremely valuable is building a business model that or a product or service that is evergreen, right? What do I mean by evergreen? So there's nothing wrong with doing like product launches or launches to a new service or a new program, because what that does is that builds a level of anticipation. You can build some scarcity around it. The doors are closing. There's a lot of great sales and marketing strategies you can do when you have these like formal and official launches. The caveat to that though, is those launches require a lot of effort, right? You gotta do webinars, you gotta do new funnels, you gotta do maybe partner webinars, you have to do some guerrilla marketing, you gotta have this whole campaign because you're launching, right? You're always launching. Now, imagine if you have a product or service that once it's live, as long as you continue to drive consistent traffic to that product or service, you can always make money. You don't have to worry about like, man, like I gotta do this exhausting launch at the beginning of every quarter. You'll know that as long as that product is live and you have the ability to drive marketing campaigns and advertisement to it, that it will always be able to make money for you. And that's very valuable because again, launching can be exhausting. And the whole purpose of the DARES model in the first place is to create a business model that allows you to have more freedom, more control, so that you're not, again, always burning the candle at both ends. Because if something is digital, it means I don't have to go to a physical brick and mortar. If something is automated, it means those are things that I don't have to manually involve myself in for it to be executed. If they're recurring, that means that I don't have to bust my tail every month to get new revenue. And then, of course, if it's evergreen, then that means it's always available, which means I can always make money. Right. And I don't have to get super creative on trying to find a new way to launch the product or launch the service. And then the last part of the dares model, is it scalable? Right. So prime example, because a lot of people think that, oh, if I can do this at one hundred thousand, I can do it at a million or if I can do this at fifty thousand, I can do it at five hundred. It isn't always a direct one for one translation. Right. Like it doesn't always translate that way because. 
depending upon the business model, you might need a different type of infrastructure to support that level of growth. So, for example, let's say you have an e-commerce brand, right? And you sell T-shirts. And on average, you sell, I don't know, 50 T-shirts a month. And on average of the 50 T-shirts, you probably have a quality assurance or customer service issue or something getting lost in the mail. Let's just say 10% of the time, right? Or less. That works when you're selling 50 T-shirts because that's only a handful of people that you have to follow up with, right? Just a handful, literally a handful. But if you don't have like a tried and true customer service process in place and you maintain that same level of percentage of quality control or customer service issues, but now you're selling 5,000 products a month, right? Then what does that look like? You would be drowning in customer service emails. Inevitably, balls will get dropped, right? And so it's important to think through those things on the front end, reverse engineer the viability of your business model at the level that you're trying to go to. Because a lot of times we're thinking about it in terms of where we are, but not realizing that at a different level, this business could break, right? I could lose my credibility. I could drop balls through customer service. The quality could go down a variety of things just because you didn't realize that at a different level, the same thing that you did at 50K, you can't do at 500K. Also, even understanding if this type of business model has the ability to scale, Right. Because you might be making really good money doing it, but it's maybe a service based business. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I don't see how this can scale. Right. Because if the only way to scale this is to hire more people, if I hire more people, it's going to create more overhead. If I create more overhead, I'm really not more profitable. And then at that point, it doesn't even make sense because then I just have a really big top line revenue number. But I'm not really making anything based upon the nature of the business. Right. So you want to dig into what type of infrastructure is going to be required to support the growth And if I implement that infrastructure, number one, do I still have a profitable company and is is it worth it, right? And then number two, once I implement that, does that even look like a business that I envision scaling, right? Because ideally you're scaling something that gives you so much opportunity and market share that it puts you in a position to where you can remove yourself from the intricacies of the day to day, right? But If what you build as you grow it ultimately just consumes you 10 times more than it already is, then is that a business that you really want to build? And so where I would go back to as I think about the dares model is I would go back to really framing up your lifestyle and business alignment, right? Because oftentimes our vision or our appetite for our vision is larger than our desire of how we want to actually live our lifestyle. Because if you go out and build the biggest thing, you got to understand that comes with a lot. Like I always use the analogy about like Mark Zuckerberg, right? Dude is in court probably weekly at this point, right? For all the things that the company does. And and if you think for one second that he knew that the company was going to grow to that level of scale, he thought it was going to be immensely successful, but he didn't know he was going to acquire Snapchat. He didn't know he was going to acquire Instagram because they didn't even exist, when Facebook first came out, right? And so what can kind of help you have your North Star when you are building something or to know that you're building something the right way is to think about what do I want my business in my life to look like? Are those two things aligning, right? If I'm constantly overworked, tired, you know, can't spend time with family, but I have this really, really big successful business 
Am I building a business that I want? Am I building a business that supports my lifestyle ambition? Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Or on the flip side of that, right? I have this super fun, relaxed, enjoyable, carefree life, but because of the way I live, the business that I thought I would have isn't really panning out, right? So it doesn't matter how you slice it. You just have to really create a North Star for what do I want my ideal business to look like? And does that map to my lifestyle ambition? And if it doesn't, what do I need to adjust so that I can be self-aware enough to know that I thought I wanted to build that? But if I build that, it's going to erode this other thing so that you can come up with something that fits into your life versus trying to fit your life into your business. I hope that makes sense. And I think it's really important because right now, now is a great time to reevaluate and question everything. Over the last decade, I have been an entrepreneur and a financial advisor, which has given me an incredible amount of unique insight to know exactly what it takes to not only grow a business, but to also properly run your financials. I've also learned that most entrepreneurs do not desire to do that stuff. They want to focus on the thing that they're uniquely called to do, not number crunching. And that's why my firm, Capital Wise, has partnered with entrepreneurs, tech founders, and public figures to help you own your business instead of running your business. So if understanding how to allocate every single dollar that flows through your business so that you can grow and sustain successfully and be profitable sounds like something you're interested in. If never having to worry about how much you should be allocating for taxes is something that you're interested in, or if just knowing that you can make data-driven decisions from the financial numbers of your business so that you can make the right moves sounds like something you'd be interested in, then I strongly encourage you to click the link in the show notes to learn more about our service and how we partner with you to help you own your business instead of running it. Talk to you soon. One of my favorite quotes I know I've said on the podcast before is don't allow your resume to allow you to keep resuming a life that you no longer want. Just because you've been known for something, just because you've built this big business just because you built this reputation, just because you have staff. If the life you are living now no longer aligns with the alignment of what you envision going forward, the best thing you can do is begin to unravel that now, right? Because if not, you're going to, you're never going to be able to walk in every day and give it your all because in your heart is going to be elsewhere. So what I love about the dares model is at the end of the day, life is meant to be lived no matter how you slice it. Right. No matter how you slice it, there are maybe some, you know, a unique set of people who just are designed to just build things, build big things and be consumed by their business. Maybe. Right. But by and large, what we what we've learned is that life is meant to be lived. So what I love about the dares model is it gives you a great filter to create that business lifestyle alignment. Right. Because if, if the business meets the dares model, it's going to give you the ability to build a business that allows you to live your best life. And the reason why I think that's so valuable is once you build a business, now granted in an ideal scenario, you build a business that you love and you could and want to do it all day long, but most visionaries are always gonna have some different passions. And But if you go ahead and build your core business the right way, it'll give you the capacity, it'll give you the freedom, the time, and even the capital to be able to lean into those different things that you wanna do. But if you're so bogged down by your main thing, 
You'll never be able to even have the, the time and the freedom to get to a space where you can entertain anything else. Right. So that's why I love the dares model as a filter. And you just always have to give yourself the permission to pivot. And I know I talked about this probably on a recent podcast as well, just all the time that I'm always like, OK, this made sense at some point. Doesn't make sense today. Let's move on. And some people might look at that as flaky. Some people might look at that as inconsistent. I look at it as, like I said, on that podcast, when the facts change, so do I. What do you do? I think it's a very important distinction because in life, I'm always willing to consistently contradict myself as I find new truth, right? Because if I'm finding new truth, that means what I once believed is no longer true. And I have to be willing to contradict that even in the screenshot era of worrying about someone saying, oh, well, George said X, Y, and Z uh, last year. Now he's on this. Yeah, I am. And until you start sending me money on the first of the month to pay my bills, your opinions about me are invalid at the end of the day. And I don't say that to be callous or harsh, but at the end of the day, like stop seeking validation from people who aren't valid. And that's not to say anything bad about them. It's saying valid from a vantage point of who they are in your life. Because at the end of the day, you're the one that has to live with the realities of your peace of mind, your happiness, your freedom, having time to enjoy your family. You're the one that has to live with that. So regardless of what expectations people are placing on your shoulders or the perceived obligation that you feel that you have to fulfill and meet, remember at the end of the day, when you lay your head down at night and when it's time to stroke those checks for the bills, that's all on you. So make sure that you're doing things that allow you to extract the most value and enjoyment and peace from your life. So guys, I hope this episode was helpful. As a quick recap, remember, Put your business through the DARES model and DARES stands for, is it digital? Is it automated? Is it recurring? Is it evergreen? And is it scalable? Thanks so much guys for tuning in. Until next episode. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours?